Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And I think I do have some answers here this morning, folks. I'm coming at you on the airways, riding them into your ears on 860 AM. That's am860theanswer.com. You can reach me live if you have a headset or speakers on your computer, 9 to 10 AM every Sunday morning or on the radio in the Tampa Bay area, or on your smartphone, or also an iHeart station. And if you go to my website, drbillradiomd.com, you can click listen live there as well. And we got, you may not have heard, but we've got a big election coming up here. Oh my goodness gracious, this is really, really important. And people are turning out like crazy on both sides of the aisle. So let's get the Republicans out there en masse, in force, and let's win this thing. Let's get this done and and put to bed for another couple of years. Well, we're having a big to-do Tuesday night after the polls close. It will be coverage of local and state races starting at 7 p.m. The national will be handled by, uh, I believe Mike Gallagher is going to be on nationally, and when he breaks, then we'll jump in. It's going to be our fearless leader, Captain Matt Bruce, Roger P. Shulman, who is well-known in the area, one of our great reporters, and yours truly, Dr. Bill. And we're also bringing on Colonel Jim Warishuk. Warishuk? Jim, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, call me up and let me know. I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I'll call him Colonel Jim. That'll be easier. Well, Colonel Jim is the chairman of the, of the, I believe, the Hillsborough County Republican Party, and we're going to have this big to-do at his, at his, uh, his restaurant over in Ybor City, Du Amici, which I believe is a pizza joint, an Italian place, and we're going to have a lot of the candidates there. Should be interesting. We'll have live interviews, and we'll be giving you the running tally, let you know who's up and who's down, how we're doing. And I'm counting on everybody to get out there and vote. You can vote early. Uh, if you have an absentee ballot, you can drop it off anytime Monday or Tuesday before the polls close, I believe. Get to the polls early and vote. If you didn't get an absentee ballot, you can also do early voting at the uh, various locations in Pinellas and Hillsborough County, and I'm sure in all the other counties now. 
Uh, we go to the county annex at 1666 Street North in St. Petersburg, and they have an absentee ballot box there. You just show the ladies and gentlemen that you've signed your your secret ballot and pop it in there. And you can also vote early, I believe, at that at that uh, polling spot. So let's get out there and do it again. That's 7 p.m. Tuesday, November 6th. That's two days from today. That's going to be a live broadcast from Duamichi. That's Colonel Jim's restaurant, and he's the chairman of the Hillsborough County Republican Party. And it will be uh, uh, the three amigos from the station, Captain Matt, Roger P., and Dr. Bill. Oh, boy. And we'll be splitting up the duties and taking on the reporting of what's going on. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Well, this morning, I'm going, I'm going to see if we can pit um, Ron DeSantis against Gillum. So it'll be DeSantis versus Gillum. And I've been taking a look at, at, uh, at Gillum and, uh, you know, this guy is not really that impressive, but he uh, has a good spiel and he's appealing to a lot of the, of the folks in the state. The Democrats love him. Uh, of course, uh, his rap is to redistribute the wealth and even out education and uh, de-emphasize tourism in Florida. I don't know why. And push up technology industries. By the way, we've already got a lot of tech companies in the state, and we're not just dependent upon tourism, although it's a big part of our economy, and we're we're happy for that. We're grateful for all the people who want to come here. Why do you want to de- de-emphasize tourism? I mean, come on. This is uh, uh, east of the Rockies. This is it. Florida is the place you go to in the United States. If you don't have the money to travel outside of uh, of the continental United States, or if you don't want to go into the Caribbean, or you don't want to fly over to Hawaii because it's such a long flight, and this is Sunshine State, we have more coastline than any other state. We have more sports teams per capita than any other t- professional teams in any other state. We've got symphony. We've got theater. We've got outdoor activities. We've got hiking and bicycling. We've got more golf courses than just about any state in the union per capita. We've got Walt Disney World. We've got Universal Studios. We've, I mean, we've got Bush Gardens in Tampa. My God, we, uh, this state is loaded. It's packed to the gills. We've got gambling. We've got boating. We've got fishing. What are you talking about? You want to de-emphasize tourism. Are you out of your mind? I mean, this is Gillum. This is on his website, for goodness sakes. So, first of all, the guy's a little daft. I mean, if he really believes this, I'm not sure that, that he does. I'm, I'm guessing that he, he thinks that uh, his populist rants and raves will uh, pull in more Democrats to vote. And that may be, I mean, that may very well be, I don't know. Uh, We shall see. By the way, again, on amendment six, that's a no vote. I'm sorry, Kelsey Grammer. I'm sorry about the Marcy's law. We'll take that up at a separate time when it's a standalone item and not uh, coupled with extending the Supreme Court Justice's retirement age in the state of Florida from 70 to 75. That would give Barbara Periente, Fred Lewis, and Peggy Quince, the three Lawton Childs appointees, and Lawton was a Democrat, 
and they're ultra-liberal judicial activists, the ability to stay on the bench another five years because they're all due for retirement at the end of this year. So we don't want Amendment 6. We'll apologize to Kelsey, and we'll take it up at a later time. By the way, there's a ton of statutes on the books in Florida already that cover 99% of Marcy's Law's uh, 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 good acts and deeds that it does to force the jurisdictions to let you know when uh, a, a violent offender is going to be released or comes up for parole. And I think that's great. I'm all for it. We just have to make these laws work. And enshrining it in the Constitution is not going to make it work any better than putting it on the books in the lo- in the state house. So that I don't know, it just doesn't it, it doesn't have uh, enough oomph for me. I know that Kelsey's pushing this out all over the airways and God bless him. Uh, he's committed and he's had real tragedy in his life, but, uh, we've got a bigger, uh, issue here. And that is to stop this judicial activism and keep these liberals out of the Supreme court of Florida. Now you say, well, what if Gillum wins? Well, if he wins, uh, he can either, replace these guys, or if the amendment passes, they'll stay either way. But let's let's count on our man getting in there and winning this. Let's not count on their man getting in there and winning this. Now, I did go to the websites of both Gillum and DeSantis, and I got to tell you, DeSantis has a nice website. I mean, it's laid out in bullet points. Uh, you know, he says things like attract new industry, which, of course, Gillum wants to do, too. That's very popular. Support constitutional amendment regarding a two-thirds vote in the legislature to raise taxes. That's already on the uh, on the ballot this time as one of the constitutional amendments. And now Gillum wants to attract new industries, but he also wants to raise taxes on corporations in Florida. And that would affect me because I'm a corporation, my practice. And so he wants to push my taxes up more. The idea being that he would take that money and put it back into the educational system because we have less spending per child in Florida than on average than the rest of the country. And he says this is hurting our, Gillum says this is hurting our educational system. We've gone from 40th to about 20th in the nation in terms of our education and uh, what we're churning out of our public schools as well as our secondary and tertiary schools. We're in the top five in the nation in public colleges and universities. We're producing more merit scholars, more uh, advanced placement uh, kids, uh, uh, more uh, National Honor Society kids than ever before. And we're doing it with less money. We don't need more money in the system. And you say, well, what about the teachers? How come we're not paying them adequately? Well, they're making about 50000 in the public school system on average. Now, of course, that's not the people that are just starting out. It takes time to build up, as in any industry, and to get raises and advancements. And I don't have a problem with, with paying the teachers more. It doesn't bother me. Uh, that can be handled through the uh, local property taxes and all of the amendments that address putting caps on property taxes or limiting the amount that the property taxes can be increased, have an exclusion for the school tax. So we can increase the school taxes 
at the local levels, at the county levels. We don't need the state to step in here and do this. This is just more big government stepping into our local business. And I, I don't see any benefit there. My good friend, Hamant, who's one of my lunch buddies, he grew up in India, small town, you know, rural. Uh, he had, they had farm animals and oxen and different things. And uh, he said, Bill, when I went to school, we sat outside when it wasn't raining under a shade tree. We had chalk and we had uh, uh, little slates, little handheld blackboards. And that's how we did our lessons and learn. The guy's as smart as a whip. He's a doctor. He said, you know, we did as well as any other kids did. It's not about the money. It's not about the facilities. I agree it is about the teachers, the motivation, but it's also about the parents and getting them involved. Now, Andrew uh, Gillum supports taking money out of the quote, quote, charter schools. I think that's what we call them are charter schools. And the charter schools, by the way, he says that they're private enterprise and they're not. The charter schools are public schools, which are set up by parents in local jurisdictions under state guidance and control. And these are public schools and anybody can go to them if you if you meet the requirements and you want to participate and be a parent who's involved, these are nonprofit corporations that run these schools. Yes, they do contract with for-profit uh, uh, companies that provide legal advice and uh, management and so on and so forth. And perhaps there are people who make money off of that, but it's a business and it's a healthy business. And by the way, we're still a free enterprise country, at least last time I checked. So I don't know where he's coming off with this uh, nonsense. I'm talking about Gillum, that these are privately owned schools. They're not. They're public schools. I don't know where he gets off with the idea that somebody within that school system is making big money off of, off of these schools. They're not. The state is funding them, of course. And they should because it's a public school. And these these. Charter schools are producing some of the best students in the state of all colors, of all walks of life, of all levels of, of socioeconomics. And so I think that this is, uh, it's misleading, it's false, it's nonsensical. And uh, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that the charter schools are not private schools. They are not for-profit schools. They are public schools, and they are run by nonprofit corporations that are set up under the guidelines of the state of Florida, and that they are funded by the state out of public school money, and that they are producing some of our best students. There are higher expectations. The parents have to be involved. Uh, and all of this uh, comes into a front of impetus of uh, push for the kids to do better. Uh, there's more discipline. There's, 
there's more teacher involvement. And by the way, the teachers there make less money than in the other public schools, probably in part because they're younger. These are newer schools and they haven't worked their way up to that $50,000 level. But if they're doing really great, uh, let's give them a bonus. That doesn't bother me. We can find money somewhere in the system for that. We can get it at the local levels. Now, Andrew wants to make Florida, I'm talking about Andrew Gillum, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, his website is terrible. I mean, it is so wordy. I, I read through Gillum's website on the bullet points in about five minutes. It's taken me an hour to get through. Uh, uh, DeSantis' website was Edie Gillum's website. It's all in, in paragraphs. And so if I'm having a hard time reading this and it's taking me an hour or two to get through this, what do you think other people are going to do? Come on, nobody's going to read this nonsense. Nobody's going to read this nonsense. Now, Andrew Gillum says that he's the only candidate who has fought the powerful gun lobby in court and won. I don't know what he's talking about. And he was talking about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School tragedy. Yeah, it's a tragedy. And, of course, uh, he's blaming the NRA and the gun lobby. Come on. That kid broke laws that were felonies. He made violent threats on the Internet. And that's a state felony infraction. And the county police in Broward, the county sheriff's department, did nothing about it. They didn't arrest this kid. He should have been in jail. And the whole thing could have been avoided just by enforcing the law, enforcing the law. So here's what we need to do. We need to support our police and our law enforcement. At the same time, we need to make sure that we oversee what they do, and make sure they're doing their job. I mean, they're human beings just like you and me, and we all need somebody to come behind us and say, wait a minute, you didn't finish that. Pick that up. Put that away. I mean, we're just human beings, all of us. So this is nonsense, this NRA, anti-NRA stuff. Gillum's full of baloney when he talks about that. That's not the problem. The problem is that we're not enforcing the laws and we're not ensuring the safety of ourselves and each other by implementing the necessary security measures to make sure that these things don't happen. It just ain't that difficult. The laws are on the books. The will is there to do this. We just need to push our jurisdictions and our police departments to do what they're supposed to do. You know, the county government in Broward should have had in place security measures at all of the schools. I mean, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. I know my wingman here, Bill, his wife is a principal at a Hillsborough County school, and she's had uh, security measures in place for several years, from what I understand. Am I right, Bill? And, you know, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why this should not have been in place. But Andrew Gillum says the problem are guns. When we know from study after study that jurisdictions that have legal ownership of guns and concealed carry weapons, we see crime rates going down, not up. Okay, so now let me get to the next point that uh, – uh, and by the way, uh, DeSantis takes a different approach. He's for security. He's for enforcing our laws. He's for overseeing the, the, uh, 
the law enforcement officers and the police departments and making sure that they're doing their job as well as supporting them. And I don't have a problem with that. And and the captain has pointed out to me that one of the amendments would uh, provide death benefits for first responders who are killed on the job for their families. And there's been a lot of debate back and forth that the federal government's already uh, doing this and that there are insurance policies in place. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not wild about it, but I understand it and I support the captain uh, on this. And I think that we should vote for that amendment. Uh, if for no other reason to show emotional support, I don't think it's going to cost us a whole lot of money, as I said last week. All right. Now, Andrew Gillum wants to make Florida the uh, the solar energy capital of the state and the world because qu- purportedly, quote, quote, it's cheaper. Yes, to produce a watt of electricity from a solar panel is cheaper than producing a watt of electricity from a gas-powered plant, from a, a, a hydroelectric plant or a, a nuclear plant. Yes, that's true. There's no doubt about it. But guess what? It doesn't take into account. Okay, now there's a, there's a thing that you have to think about. When you have a gas or a nuclear-powered plant, you can t- and even a hydroelectric plant, a water-powered plant, you can turn those sources of energy off and on at will. So if you don't need as much energy, uh, you just turn the gas down or turn it off and shut the plant down or decrease its functioning. I mean, you have to keep it going for obvious reasons because it's hard to crank it up. Same way with a nuclear plant. You just shove those cadmium or lead or whatever kind of rods they are that they put between the nuclear, the, the, uh, uh, the nuclear rods that are the heat source, and that slows down or turns off the nuclear reaction in the reactor. But guess what? You can't do that with sunlight. And, and by the way, uh, God says you're going to have sun half the day. That is at the uh, summer equinox. And then half the day, you're not going to have sun. It's going to be nighttime. So you ain't going to have sun. And when clouds come over, it decreases the efficiency of the electro, uh, of the electric generating uh, photoelectric cells in these solar panels. So guess what? You've got to store this energy. You've got to make as much electricity as you can when the sun's shining. Then you have to store it somewhere. Hey, that costs money. You've got to have humongous batteries to store this stuff. And they're not cheap. And they, they, are, they are absolutely necessarily non-renewable because they have to be replaced. They wear out after a while. Same way with an electric car. You have lithium-ion batteries in there, and every four or five years or every so many thousands of miles, you have to go get new ones because you've depleted all the electrons inside of these batteries. So that pushes up the cost. Now, let's say that you put a solar panel on your house, and I've looked at this every two years for the past 30 or 40 years to see if the prices come down to where it makes sense to have a solar power panel on my house and generate my own electricity and get off the grid. For my size house, it doesn't make any sense. Why? Because the initial outlay is not going to be uh, 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 low enough for it to pay for itself over 15 to 20 years, which is about the time that I would want to use it. So it doesn't make any sense 
you know, why would I want to install a system that costs more than what I would save over the life of the system? It doesn't make any sense. You have to think about it. You have to have somewhere to store that electricity, so you're going to need batteries in your house. You have to have some kind of a converter to change that direct current into alternating current because you can't store this as alternating current. Uh, the physics of it are more than I can explain to you right now, but let me just say that you have to pump electrons into some kind of a storage device. You have to be able to hold them by the way they leak out over time. And you have to be able to take them back out of that storage tank, the battery, the electrons, and you have to turn them into alternating electricity, AC, because that's what our appliances run on. That's more efficient. It takes less energy to push that, push those electrons through wires. So you have to think of electrons like water. you got to push it through a pipe. And the alternating current is like a pulse, so it's like a ramrod. Bam, bam, bam. And it's more efficient. It takes smaller wire to push it through. And there's less loss of electricity as it goes through those wires. So you have to have a whole secondary plant in your house. And, and, and I, I want to do this. I really do. I've been looking at this for years. And if I get a smaller house, I probably will do it. But it costs money. And that electricity that you generate on your roof is not the real cost of that electricity. You have a lot of other equipment involved. Andrew Gillum either doesn't understand this or he's intentionally misleading you into thinking that solar energy is some kind of great answer. Same thing with wind energy. I had a guy that works at the nuclear plant, one of the nuclear plants in Ontario in the office last week. Uh, Canadian, you know, coming down for the for the vacation in Florida, uh, but Gillum wants to de-emphasize vacationing in Florida. 10% of Canada visits Florida every year. And Andrew Gillum wants to slow that down? What are you, are you, have you lost your frickin' mind? Come on. That's our industry. That's one of our main industries. We're not going to de-emphasize that. We're going to increase emphasizing it as well as add other industries. So he pulls out his his calculator and his little stuff. And we were talking about nuclear because I'm a big nuclear guy, and that's the only way we're going to really resolve this energy problem that we have until we find uh, more efficient, uh, less polluting ways of providing energy. And he said, people ask me all the time, well, why aren't we using, you know, aren't we generating enough uh, energy, electricity from all these uh, all these windmills, all these electric windmills, these big generators that are up in the, and you should see them, they're all over Ontario. Ontario per capita has more windmills than any state or province in North America. It's unbelievable. You know how much of Ontario, <laughs> Ontario's electricity it generates? 2 to 3%. And it's pushed up the cost of electricity tremendously in Ontario. Because guess what? You can't make it affordable. So the Ontario provincial government is subsidizing all of this. And the lifespan of these, of these, uh, these big windmills is 20 to 30 years. Guess what? A hydroelectric plant can go on for hundreds of years. And a nuclear plant uh, can go for 50 to 60 years before it has to be refurbished. Same way with a gas or a coal-fired plant. So you're going to have to rebuild these, these huge windmills. 
every 20 to 30 years, you have to replace them. They're high maintenance. They're humongous. They're extremely expensive to put up. And they don't generate that much energy. And you got to have wind. What are you going to do when the wind slows down? Now, Ontario, most of it is uh, flat Midwestern plains. And you got all that wind coming down from the Arctic. And, and it's a good idea. And I think it's wonderful that the Canadians want to try it. Please, please, please don't vote for Gillum. We don't need solar energy farms. We don't need windmill farms in Florida. If we're going to have solar energy, we need it on houses. Every house, should get. you should be getting incentives, and I think you still can. And if your house is smaller and you can afford the initial outlay, it may be a good thing for you to consider putting in solar panels on your roof and generating some of your own electricity. I have no problem with that. But to have an industrial-sized solar farm, I don't think it's going to be uh, advantageous, and it's just going to push up the cost of our electricity in Florida. Let's look at other things. So Gillum is not our man on that. He is not our man. We do not want him. He is not for us. He is for redistribution of the wealth. He's for expensive government giveaways. He's for centralization of services, which we've proven over the past 50 years is not the most efficient way to do it. And I, you know, I just, I, everything I read about the guy, I'm basically opposed to. He wants to legalize marijuana. And I know that that's a big popular thing, and a lot of people want to do that. And I've even talked to some of the legislatures who really don't understand the, the uh, biochemistry of marijuana, the, the length of time that it stays in your system, 30 days, a month, 28 to 30 days. And by the way, now that it's legal in Canada, you cannot have smoked marijuana within 28 days of applying for or coming to work for uh, the, the police department, the Royal uh, Canadian police, uh, the military in Canada. You know why? Because it's still in your system. That's why. And they say, well, we've got safeguards in so that the teenagers won't, won't get it. 19-year-olds are going to be able to smoke it legally in, in Canada. And do you think that 16, 15, 14-year-olds who are curious or who are prone to becoming addicted, do you think that they're not going to have an opportunity to try that and get hooked? And it lowers the IQ of teenagers if they smoke. And that's been proven not in the United States, but in Canada, in McGill University, a study there. And, of course, the liberals in Canada are saying, well, this is going to be more money so that we can uh, do more things for our state and we can help the teachers and we can help the criminals and we can do all these wonderful things. Stop. Come on, Stop. Stop this nonsense. All right. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. Don't anybody go anywhere. Uh, I want you right back here because we got an election to win. And I got my friend Mike, who is a big Democrat, listening this morning, along with my buddy Pat, two new listeners. And Mike's a pain in the butt, but I love him. Maybe we can convince him of the, uh, of the error of his ways when I come back. So you guys hang in there. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. 
With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A busy day with two days to go before Election Day for candidates of all stripes all across the country. President Trump is on the road crisscrossing the country, stumping for the GOP. Democrats relying on former President Obama. The Democrats believe they'll win the U.S. House, but Republicans haven't given up on holding there, and they're optimistic they'll gain seats in the Senate. A week from now, the world will mark the end of World War I, the 100th anniversary thereof. German Chancellor Angela Merkel will be on French soil. German President Frank Steiner Meyer will be in London's Westminster Abbey for a ceremony with the Queen. In Germany, though, no celebrations because the peace agreement did not bring peace to that country. And a 4,000-strong caravan of Central American illegal immigrants traveling through Mexico split up yesterday after fights between members. This is SRN. News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727 727- Five four five nine six seven four. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Alvin, can I tell you a story? Yeah. Okay, a long time ago in a kingdom far away, a certain caveman named Donald stood up to a bunch of toxic swamp creatures and helped his fellow cavemen take their government back. Yay! It's incredible. And with my friend Tim Raglan, we tell the story. It's based on a true story of this noble caveman who defeats a group, a bipartisan group of cowardly swamp creatures. It's called Donald Drains the Swamp. Get your copy of this book by Eric Metaxas and Tim Raglan today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, rather cloudy and humid with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm for the afternoon and into the evening. High today, 82. Otherwise, a cloudy night, low 70. Clouds and sun for tomorrow with a high 85. Then a warm night tomorrow night with patchy clouds, low 71. And on Tuesday, some sun with a high 84 and a low of 70. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. The greatest rain of life. 
Bit of Muddy Waters and Johnny Winters. Deep Down in Florida is the name of that song, and I'm a man. Way past 21. Talking about uh, DeSantis and Gillum, I'm focusing mostly on Gillum and how I think a lot of what he is saying is just nonsense and not workable. By the way, he wants to take some of this tax revenue that he uh, purports to to have, to be able to generate a, a billion dollars extra from, I think, from increasing taxes on me and put that back into the school system. And if you do the math, let's say there's 5 million kids in school in Florida. I don't know how many they are. there are, but let's say a quarter of the population of the state are school age. It may not be that much. You're talking $200 per student. You can get that at the local level. Come on, that's not, this, is, this is nonsense. This is not a big deal. Uh, and if we need more money in the school system, then cough up at a local level. If a jurisdiction is poor and is struggling and having a problem, then we can all chip in and give some more through the state. But that should be on a case-by-case basis and not just a a, a blank check for the state government to take more money from us and distribute it wherever they think they they have the right to do it. On the other side of the equation, DeSantis opposes tax increases and wants to keep Florida one of the lowest tax states in the nation that will attract more industry. And we're still growing like crazy. Our population is growing. Create a business-friendly environment to expand opportunities for Florida. Keep Florida's bureaucracy in check. Invest in Florida's economy of tomorrow. A lot of those are platitudes, but, you know, uh, the, the, the basic philosophy is what I agree with. That's what I, I think we need to do. We don't need to raise taxes on me. We don't need to raise taxes on small businesses. We need to continue with our low tax rates so that we encourage more people and more businesses to move to Florida. And we can take care of a lot of the problems we have at uh, the local levels, and uh, that, that's easily addressed. We already have school boards and, and uh, county school taxes, and let, let, let's, let's do it at that level. That's where it needs to be. $200 per student? Come on. We can do that. We don't need the state to tell us how to do that. And by the way, all the amendments that are proposing tax caps and tax cuts do not affect, again, do not affect the school taxes. Those are not part of these state amendments. So the jurisdictions, that is you and me at our local level, will still have the power to raise our property taxes to fund our schools if we think it's necessary. And again, I'll tell you that the cost of education does not have to uh, be exorbitant to have an excellent educational system. Our public schools have come from 40th to 20th. We're cranking out a lot more national merit scholars, uh, a lot more advanced placement in the high school level. The educational level has come up tremendously in Florida. We're in the top five nationally in public universities and colleges. So don't give me that nonsense. Don't give me that. That That's just not true what, what Gillum's saying. And our educational system doesn't need more money. It needs more parental involvement. 
It needs teachers who are, are excellent and uh, uh, enthusiastic, and I don't have a problem paying the teachers more. All right, now what about health care? Andrew Gillum purports that there are millions of people in Florida who are going without health care. I can tell you from my own experience that there are a lot of people who do not have health care or who are underinsured. Why is that? Well, in part, there's uh, inequity and incomes and ability to afford it. But why has health care gotten so expensive? I'll tell you why, because the federal government stepped into it. You can track the tremendous increases in health care right back to the institution of Medicare and Medicaid in the 1960s. And the more the government gets involved, like with Obamacare, and it doesn't matter whether it's Democrat or Republican, the higher the costs are for health care. Because everybody says, well, you know, I'm not paying for this. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Where do you think it's coming from? It's coming out of your pocket, out of your taxes. It's, it's your Medicare taxes. And everybody says, well, yeah, but, you know, let the government handle it. They can do it better. No, they can't. No, they can't. When you take your money and give it to someone else and tell them to go buy you a car, do you think you're going to be happy with the car they bring you back? Now, if you go out and look for a car yourself, I guarantee you that even if they pick out exactly what you would have picked out, most of us are going to say, hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You want to go buy your own car, and you want to take your money and put it in the salesman's hands so that you know exactly what you're getting. You go and you pay $20 for a prime steak and you take it home and cook it and eat it and you make a judgment about whether or not it was worth $20. And if it wasn't, guess what? You don't go buy that steak again. And now here you are with something even more integral to your existence, more intimate to your person, more life-changing than a car or a stake, your health care, and you're saying, okay, well, let's just give our money to the state or the federal government and let them decide how to spend it for us. Uh, hello, wake up. <laughs> you know, if you want to get something and you want to get your money's worth, you better hold on to that dollar bill until you got your hand on those goods and you can see what you're getting. And you have the right to inspect before you buy. You have the right to look at the meat in the counter. You have the right to drive that car around the block with the salesman. You have the right to go on the Internet and look at all of the uh, widgets and whatnots that are on this brand new car you're interested in. You ain't got that right in healthcare. Yeah, you can go and you can look up and see whether Dr. Bill's a, a two-star or a four-star or a five-star doctor. And I'm not sure that those websites are all accurate, uh, but uh, because somebody can call and complain and say, well, he was mean to me, and I might have been. That doesn't mean I'm a bad doctor. It might have been that we didn't get along and I didn't want you as a patient, or you came in my office cursing and giving my staff a hard time, and I said, you can't behave like this, or you got to go, and so you got up and left. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that don't necessarily have to do with the kind of health care that I deliver. But if you turn this over to the state or the federal government completely, 
then you're giving up one of your most basic rights, which is to decide how you want to be taken care of and by whom when it comes to your health care. Now, l- l- let me say this. I think, and, and this is, uh, this is the uh, antithesis of what the conservative Republicans are preaching, but this is one area that I'll, I'll, I'll split away. I think that we need to expand Medicaid so that we do cover those who cannot afford any care. But I also think that we need to have health savings accounts. We need to get rid of all this mandatory insurance crap. We need to make insurance affordable again and get it out of government's hands. We need to open the market up so that we can have interstate health insurance plans, which, by the way, Obamacare wiped out, as well as Obamacare wiped out our domestic travel insurance plans. So when you travel to the Caribbean and you get a travel insurance for the week that you're on the ship, you get a travel insurance plan, it's not, a, it's not sold by a United States company. It's sold probably by Allianz in Canada, which is owned, I believe, by a European group. So we've run off that industry. And, of course, the whole insurance industry has been shaken up by the Obamacare, and we've seen mergers and acquisitions and new alliances formed and old ones broken and readjustments. And, uh, you know, I, I don't. I can't tell you if it's good or bad in terms of the industry itself. Uh, certainly health insurance is uh, companies are not the first thing that I would invest in. Uh, they make a profit, but it's not big. And they're, they're more of a long-term hold. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, saying that we need to increase healthcare spending Sounds great. It's, it's a platitude. It makes everybody feel good. We're going to take care of our poor. We're going to make sure everybody has health care. Everybody's got health care for the most part anyway. I mean, look, my wife has a $10,000 plan for her and my son. I'm on Medicare, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a made man. But she still has this humongous deductible. I think it's like five grand a year. And, you know, my son can't afford to go to the dermatologist for his, his uh, acne or the allergist for his hay fever. He can't afford that. So that falls back on us because the health insurance plan's not going to pay for that. That's not going to cost five grand to go get scratch tests and get started on allergy shots. So what am I paying 10 grand a year for? I could be putting that into a health savings account. If I put that into a health savings account in five years, we'd have 50 grand plus whatever interest it earned, let's say 60,000, and that'll cover most major emergencies. And then we can buy a catastrophic plan that'll kick in after 25 or $50,000 out of pocket so that if somebody's in a major car accident and they're in the ICU for three months and they come out with a quarter of a million dollar bill, that that'll be covered. Andrew Gillum does not understand the economics of health care or health insurance. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just saying whatever the Democratic Party has been saying for the past several decades. 
and thinking that it sounds good and it'll make a good point and and, and it will it'll it'll get a lot of people to vote for him emotionally but if you vote on emotion rather than on intellect you're going to make a mistake emotions are real they're very real but they're not often accurate and we've talked about that before on the show emotions are real but they're not often accurate so we have to check our emotions and we have to put our brains our thinking brain on top of our emotional brain. We have to do that. Now, uh, Andrew is for, Andrew Gillum is for sanctuary cities in Florida, open borders, and uh, he, all this nonsense about children being split from their parents. Oh, please. If you go down to the border and you talk to the agents and you see the facilities these kids have and you you try to pair them up with the parents that they supposedly came with. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. How can 5,000 people make it from El Salvador and Honduras through the Isthmus up into Guatemala, into Mexico? I mean, it's a long trip. You got to feed, you got to shelter, you got to. You've got to administer health care. You've got, you've got to transport. You've got to do all these things for 5,000 people, and it's no small task. It costs money. Who's paying for this and why? Well, I think you can figure out the answer to that. Why would Andrew Gillum be for this? I mean, he's talking about trying to expand health care to the poorest of Floridians, and he's inviting more, or he wants to invite more poor people into the state, undocumented, and 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 who's going to support these people? Where's he going to get the money for that? So this makes no sense to me. And he talks about morality, the immorality of separating families. We don't know how many families that were actually separated, and we don't know if they got back together or not. They're here illegally. Uh, they may be here to cause mayhem. There's criminals in the groups. There's uh, uh, MS-13 people. There are terrorists. Who knows what all? And you say, well, there's one or two terrorists. What's the big deal? The big deal is that I don't want to be blown up. How about you? I don't want somebody picking up a, an assault rifle and, and coming into my church and opening fire on me. You say, well, that happens domestically. Yes, it does, but what do you, because it happens domestically, are we going to invite uh, illegals in to do it as well? What, what's this, like an equal, equal opportunity employment position situation for mass murderers? Come on, put on your thinking cap, people. Now, Andrew Gillum has a stand on the United States and Israel, and I guess he's playing to uh, to the Jewish vote in the state. I'm not quite sure what that's all about. But he claims to be supporting that, uh, the, the, the Jewish, uh, the Israeli state, and, and indirectly the Jewish people in our state. I don't feel supported, by the way, and I'm half-breed, as you know. I feel unsupported by Andrew Gillum. Now, he also is touting that that Tallahassee had the highest per capita growth rate or still has the highest per capita growth rate, economic growth rate of any city in the state of Florida. 
not true. It's down at number five, and uh, it, it, the city is, I'm sure, doing fine, as most Florida cities are now. Our economy is booming. It's grown, what, 15% since the end of the recession, 20%. We're on the way up. And guess what's in Tallahassee? You got it. The government. It's a government city, just like Washington, D.C. What does Washington produce? I mean, there's not a whole lot of industry there, yet it still has one of the highest per capita incomes of anywhere in the country. They have the most doctors per capita, the most lawyers per capita. Uh, the standard of living is higher in that area. Why? Because there's government money, tons of it. And the same thing is true at the state level. There's a lot of money in Tallahassee because of the government. There are construction projects and buildings going up as the state increases its services and its buildings and uh, tries to uh, supply services to a growing population. We're now the third largest population state in the country. So it's California, Texas, and Florida. We're bigger than New York population-wise. And we're probably going to catch up to Texas in the, in the next couple of decades. So we're, we're a growing state, and we have to supply services. Now, I'm sure there are industries that are coming into Tallahassee, just there are into many of our cities in Florida. And that's a good thing. And if Andrew was involved with that, more power to him. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We appreciate that. But come on, don't say that you're the impetus behind the economic growth in Tallahassee or in the state of Florida. You're one dinky little city. And you're the mayor of a dinky little city. Well, of course, uh, he, Andrew, and I'm not going to get involved in this one way or another, but he, for your information, he's a big supporter of the lesbian, gay, bisexual transgender uh, rights movement and same-sex marriages and all that. Uh, I, I don't know where he stands on, on abortion, but we know where uh, DeSantis stands. He is pro-life. Um, he's uh, uh, a very conservative Christian kind of guy. And he also, uh, I'm talking about DeSantis now, he's pro-Second Amendment rights and Gillum's anti-Second Amendment rights. Uh, Gillum does not address the First Amendment from what I can see, but we know that DeSantis is very strong on defending the First Amendment, and he's a lawyer who has done that. So we've got a lot of differences between the two, and I haven't even really hit everything, but uh, it's getting near the end of the show, and you got the idea of why I think Andrew Gillum would be bad for our state and why I think that DeSantis would be good for our state. Uh, you know, the guy's got a lot of experience. He's a lawyer. He's been in the military. He's been in the legislature. Uh, he is conservative. He's family-oriented, family values, and we love him. And what do you think, Bill? Do you like DeSantis? Okay, there you have the definitive word. Bill likes DeSantis. So that's the end of the story. So go vote for DeSantis. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're getting near the end of the show. Oh, my God, 10 seconds. 
I'll see you guys Tuesday night. Don't forget, 7 p.m. I'm out of here.